0: Hey Dinks! Welcome to Dentists in the Know. This is your backstage pass for current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. I'm Dr. Jeff Borowitz. With me is Dr. Jennifer Bell. You know her as J.B. and Dr. Chad Duplantis. We are all practicing dentists, we are all educators, and we are all business owners. Our job is to bring all of you in the know. fellow dinks i've just come in hot from Myrtle's inlet south carolina literally just pulled into my driveway ran out to my little office here in my backyard and i'm on with you and i'm really excited about it because it's hump day chad it's hump day i'm so excited that i that's what i wanted Great to see all of you. Great to be back. Welcome to Dennis in the Know Hump Day Happy Hour. This is your backstage pass for current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. It is live, and it's over an unpoured glass of wine, which I'm about to do right now. Here we go. Don't even know what wine I'm drinking. That's how... Late, I literally walked out here this evening, but couldn't be more pumped up about our guest tonight. You all know that I'm like off the hook about lasers. I've always loved lasers. And we really have one of the most knowledgeable laser gurus with us tonight. He is an author. He's written literally the textbook on laser dentistry. Principles of practice of laser dentistry. Uh, Bob Convissara is, is with us tonight. And um, I, I I've couldn't heard be more that excited.
1: he's a real Convissara relationist. Oh, I see. And a real Mona Lisa in the industry.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to talk about that during our interview, won't we, Chad? Anyway. We've got a rock star with us tonight, guys. And, and I, I just want yeah, I just want to get to that. So without any further ado, if it's okay, I'm just gonna introduce our guest so we can bring him on. Dr. Robert Convasar is a pioneer in the field of laser dentistry. He's one of my heroes. He's one of the first dentists in the world to incorporate lasers into general practice. And he has 34 years of experience of using. Uh, CO2, diode, erbium, NDAG, and uh, basically any wavelength that you can think of that has been allowed in dentistry. He has over 15 peer-reviewed journals. He's got seven laser textbooks, including his latest principles and practice of of laser dentistry. Um, He's a diplomat of the American Board of Laser Surgery, a fellow of the American Society of Laser Medicine and Surgery. And a master of the Academy of Laser Dentistry. He's also a fellow of the AGD. Did you know that, JB?
2: I didn't.
0: I, I knew that because he was actually one of the first laser courses I went to um, as part of one of the AGD meetings. So one of the national AGD oh, meetings. So that was actually my first introduction to our guests. So, without further ado, Bob, thank you for being here. Appreciate what you've done for dentistry and uh, and for bringing so much great education to the world of lasers and and really uh, disseminating a lot of the good and the bad and and everything in between about the practice of general dentistry and lasers. So, welcome. Thanks. It's
3: it's gonna be a Fun couple of minutes talking about lasers and everything that's going on with lasers. And well,
0: that's all and- the time we have. Thanks for being yeah. here. See <laughs> you next week. I'm
1: hey. sorry. Hey, guys, right. you heard it. We got a guest for next week now. <laughs> all
0: right. I'm sorry, Bob. I just had to do that. Not a problem,
3: so meanwhile let 's get back to the uh, patient you were talking about with uh, with the consult with the red ear and and, and that stuff, so he said two things that that set off a little alarm in the back of my my little brain uh poor posture and gird and when I say see a two day old three day old four day old baby with poor posture and GERD, or posture, and spit up, or anything like that, or I see an adolescent, or an adult, even people that are gym rats, and their posture isn't so good, and they have GERD, first thing that pops into my mind is, they've got a tongue tie. So, something for you to check in, if and when you ever see that that gentleman again.
0: Yeah, hmm. and, and that's actually part of, so our our general, every patient that comes in for, in the TMJ, sleep, orthodontic world, they are all the same patients. So they all get that same examination because every sleep patient is an ortho patient. Every ortho patient is a sleep TMD patient. And tongue tie is very much at the root of a lot of that. So I appreciate your comments very much about that.
3: Well, something that many of our listeners may not understand is the tongue is responsible for the growth of the face. You remember from dental school, the face grows in three dimensions, mesodistally, incisely, and sizely, and anteroposteriorly. And if the tongue is tied, what happens? The tongue cannot mold the maxilla. So we end up with cathedral vault-shaped palates. So we're going to end up with rapid palatal expansion. They don't have a wide enough mandible, they have crowded lower anteriors, they may not have room for both bicuspids and all that. So all of this stuff that that we see in these TMJ patients and these airway patients, it starts literally at birth. It starts literally at two, three, four, five days old. And it's something that nobody looks at. And by nobody, I mean the number of dentists that know how to do this how to look for this, how to see what's going on in a two, three, four day old baby is, is minimal. Pediatricians do not know this. It's not taught in medical school. Um, ENTs do not know this because he, here's a newsflash. ENT stands for ear, nose, and throat, not ear, nose, and tongue. So, um, ENTs usually don't know this. Um, you know that there are two types of tongue ties, an anterior postina, uh, anterior tongue tie and a posterior tongue tie. In order to diagnose the posterior tongue tie, you have to get your fingers in the person's mouth, lift up the tongue, see what's doing on the floor of the mouth. Physicians don't do that. Most dentists don't do that. So could you imagine if we ended up being like Brazil or Israel and looking at birth for tongue ties? Orthodontists would have 90% fewer patients. Mm -hmm. TMJ people would have 90% fewer patients. Sleep dentists would have 90% fewer patients because it all starts way back at birth with tongue ties and lip ties.
1: Hey, Dink's podcast listeners. You love the sound, but you miss seeing our lovely faces. Be sure and join us on our weekly Facebook Live or on our YouTube channel at Dentist in the Know. We'd love to have you subscribe and be with us at all times everywhere.
2: How much of that is impacted by nursing bottle fed? Like where's the data? Let's say you have an undiagnosed tongue tie and then you add in those different parameters. Is there any impact?
3: Anybody can nurse from a bottle. Bottle feeding is simple, simple, simple. You don't need to use all of your muscles. You don't need to manipulate your tongue as much. You don't need to do any of that. Uh, Nursing from mother's nipple is very, very different, very much difficult. And the thing that people have to realize is that it's called breastfeeding. It's, It's not called nipple feeding. So when a baby is feeding, they have to get the nipple in. They have to get some of the areola tissue. And they have to work at it. Um, so babies that are bottle fed because mommy was in pain, mommy's nipples are bleeding, mommy's nipples are cracked, mommy's nipples are sore, mommy has mastitis, mommy has engorgement, or any of fifty-seven other things. So she gives up breastfeeding. So the baby goes on to the bottle feeding, and nobody ever realizes that the baby's got this tongue tie, and it's going to need a big orthodontic bill instead of right. a little orthodontic bill.
0: Well, Bob, let's let's take a step back for a second, because um, I, I love the topic of tongue ties. And I want to make sure that before we finish the show tonight, I'd, I'd like to hear um, more of your perspective on how Dennis should be getting involved in that. But I'd love to kind of go all the way back to how to get involved with lasers. And, you know, what's your perspective on Uh, on what has happened or the evolution of laser use in dentistry because you've watched it all so I'd love to hear that perspective from you and then kind of dial it down into a little more focused area.
3: Sure well um, I graduated high school at 16 graduated college at 20 graduated dental school at 24 and I had a part-time job after school and, and high school and college and dental school, uh, working at an educational center, and I enjoyed teaching and tutoring. Uh, when I was in college, I tutored people on the DATs. When I was in dental school, I, I tutored people uh, for the National Dental Boards Part One and Part Two. So I always taught as a little hobby, more than anything else. So I'm out in practice for 10 years, And I see a tiny little ad in the ADA journal that somebody is coming out with a laser dedicated for general dental use. And um, at that time, I had three kids. I had bought a practice. I had a big mortgage for a beautiful house, big loan for the practice, um, didn't have two nickels to rub together. And my wife, who's a dentist, I showed this to her. And uh, the first laser was $50,000, and this is back in 1989. And my wife said, well, it sounds great, but we can't afford this. That That's nuts. you got to be crazy. $50,000 when we got the three kids in the house and all that. And she said, no, we really shouldn't buy it. So, of, of course, I bought it. Um,
0: and you must have read the same book on marriage that I did. Are you, are you yes. still
1: married, Bob? Are you
3: still married? Yes, I am.
1: Uh, yeah, okay.
3: so it worked. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My
3: God. So, um, oh. Well, there we have it. So I started to talk about lasers. I started to shoot some films, some video, uh, got invited to give some courses and stuff. And then a laser company would come to me and say, hey, we've got this new unit. Why don't you shoot some video, shoot some slides, talk about it. Maybe we'll sell some lasers and thank you very much and all that. And then the person that gave me the laser would either A, uh, quit or B, be fired from the laser company. Or maybe it was a company from Europe that was trying to break into the U.S. market. They never got FDA clearance or any of a thousand different things like that. So over the years, I've accumulated... I don't know about fifteen or sixteen lasers in my office, most of which I have not bought. They were just given to me by these various companies. So I've got erbiums, ndags, diodes, co twos, pbms. I've got I've got everything, and um, I've enjoy teaching and more teaching and more teaching. And I'm really blessed because I've traveled the world. I've circumnavigated the globe four times. I've lectured in more than 30 countries and somebody pays me to do it and somebody actually listens to me. So that's, that's unusual, but it's, it's great. It's, it's been a great ride and I'm uh, very happy of at the way my life has worked out when it comes to teaching and practicing dentistry.
1: That's fantastic, man. I mean, what a, what a cool story. So um, I was just you, in the right place at the right time, basically. I mean,
3: that's it. That I started on the ground floor and I just, I went with the flow.
1: But you know, it's a great story for anybody looking to get into any aspect of dentistry, you know, whether it be earth shattering, whether it be new, whether it be something that's been there for a while, if you immerse yourself in it and you make yourself known. And sometimes it's just the squeaky wheel that's going to get the grease. But I mean, if you hadn't have expressed an interest and shown so much interest in that, you may not be where you are today with lasers. And you've been pretty blessed with the amount of lasers that you've had placed before you. And it's it's a pretty cool story. I want to travel back just a little bit because I know Jeff said he was going to get into it. But in my opinion, as a laser-using dentist... I would say that the scariest thing that I could do with a laser is release a tongue tie. And I know that you may disagree, but how would you suggest somebody get into that or somebody get over that fear?
3: Learn how the hell to do
1: it. Yeah. Good. Good idea. Um, One of the, you know, it's like see one, do one, teach one. I've seen Uh, a hundred. I still am scared to death to do one.
3: Well, uh, the good news for whoever is out there and is listening, um, I give two-day courses on tongue-tie release. It's uh, co-taught by myself and an IBCLC. And if you don't know what an IBCLC is, you shouldn't be releasing tongue ties. Um, IBCLC stands for International Board of Certified Lactation Consultants. They're your best friends. They're the ones that will send you patients if you know what you're doing. So my two-day course is myself and an IBCLC, and a whole bunch of pig mandibles, and we spend two full days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. going over A to Z, what to do, how to do it, and all that, and all modesty. They're great courses. There are lots and lots and lots of tongue-tie courses out there. I'm going to brag for a minute because I'm a New Yorker, and that's what New Yorkers do best, as, as you well know, um, <laughs> Of all of the courses out there on tongue ties, mine is the only course in the world that I'm aware of taught by a dentist that the IBCLC organization, the International Board of Lactation Consultant Examiners, has allowed me to give continuing education to IBCLCs because they need their continuing education. It just we dentists and, and physicians and all our other colleagues do. So my course brings in IBCLCs and it brings in dentists and the occasional pediatrician, the occasional ENT, the occasional chiropractor, speech therapists, craniosacral therapists, and on and on and on. My next mm-hmm. course, if anybody's interested, um, is going to be in London on June 2nd and 3rd. Um, London is lovely this time of year. Uh if you don't want to travel to London, I've got one in Norfolk, Virginia in the fall. I've got one in New Jersey, just across the bridge from Manhattan from New York City in July.
0: London, um, New Jersey, so, yeah, London, I mean, New Jersey.
2: Potato Potato.
3: <laughs> so, Six one half dozen of another. So um, I mean there's plenty of opportunity to learn. Just shoot me an
1: email. Bob, I, 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 we love to give a shout out to, to people that have have been with us from the beginning. But do you uh, do you happen to know uh, Cherie from uh, from Armor Dental? Yes, of course. Yes, yeah, absolutely. What do you think of her device that she's uh, invented for the tongue tie release? Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
3: Uh, I, I, let me let me just say one thing. I have nothing to do with the company. I'm not an investor in the company. Nor do I. I get right. Yeah. I and I hate like hell to come on to any sort of forum like this and promote a product or a device or anything. I, I, I just don't like to do that. However, her devices are unbelievable. Um I could kick myself for not thinking of it a year or two ago. Actually, I exactly. did think of it because there's a metal device, a, a Miltex Groove Tongue Director that used yes, years, right. years and years and years. And, years. Right. and I hated it. And I always said to my staff, I'm going to make one of these out of silicone. And I never got around to it. And of course, Sherry and Armored Dental came up with it. Fabulous device, just unbelievable device. Um, not only is the device that she has for the tongue ties great, but she has a device that I give to all of the uh, mommies and daddies that help with the wound care and the post-op mm. tongue lifts and all that really, really wonderful device.
1: And and I want to just, you know, piggyback on what you said. She's not a, a sponsor of this show. Uh, I, I we would love to work with her, but you know, she's one of the most dynamic people I've ever met in Absolutely. my life. Yeah. And when she yeah. presented this tongue tie device for me, and then you know, she's spun off into so many things with this particular material that she created out of it. It's fantastic. I mean, for those of us that are digital savvy, she's got a fantastic device for scanning as well. I mean, and and so I think we all should give credit where credit is due. And yes. uh, and I'm glad to hear that you're loving it because when I first saw it, I was like, this is going to be the best thing that happened to tongue tie release for, you know, for the for the practitioner and uh, I really love to see someone like that with an entrepreneurial spirit that's really taking off. So I'm glad to hear that you're, you're liking it, because obviously yes. you're doing a lot very, of Very,
3: very much. Very, very much. Yeah. So yeah.
0: something else I, w- I want to talk about, because I, I think that there are a lot of dentists out there who think, well, I can buy one laser and it will do everything for me. And, and you know, and, and you've really seen the evolution of, of all of this, you know, um, the hard soft tissue lasers, the the erbium YSGG erbium YAG, the uh, diodes, the CO two lasers, and and you know one of the things that that I have a concern with is that there are. A lot of people who think, well, I can buy one laser and it will do everything across the board for me. And that really doesn't exist in the world of lasers, Would would you just expand on on that a little bit? Because um, I, I think it's just something that a lot of there, I think there are some companies that try to tout themselves as being able to do everything with one wavelength but it's just not possible. So I'd love to hear your feedback on that.
1: Correct. Hey, Jeff, apparently it's come to our attention that you and I suck at the news.
0: Yeah, Chad, Um, I, I've actually kind of known that for a while. And, and that's why what we've had to do is give people more of what they really deserve, which is more JB. So we actually have a segment now Called news on the go with Dennis in the know. In fact, I like the idea of JB's news on the go with Dennis in the know. So stay tuned for that. It's its own podcast. I'm really excited about it. And guess what? There's no Chad and Jeff.
3: We have hard tissue in the mouth. We have soft tissue in the mouth. We have fibrotic tissue. We have edematous tissue. We have melanotic tissue. We have Carl Pink tissue. We've got a bazillion different types of tissue in the mouth to say, I've got this one magic wand that's going to treat everything is more than misleading. It's, it's just, uh, just wrong. Um, When erbiums first came out on the market, they had hard tissue clearance from the FDA only hard tissue clearance, no soft tissue clearance whatsoever. Nobody was using it for soft tissue. They were using it only for operative dentistry, for osseous work and that's it. And then when the companies realized, hey, we've got a 50, 60, 70, 80,000 device, we got to find more uses for it. They then went back and got soft tissue clearance. So, an erbium is a hard tissue laser that can be used for soft tissue. It's good for soft tissue. Is it better than anything else for soft tissue? Not in my opinion and the research and the peer-reviewed literature bears that out. Um, as far and as it diodes, won't
0: coagulate as well as it's not a coagulating wavelength.
3: Absolutely, absolutely, it's it's not. What people don't understand is there's no equivalence between a Kia and a Rolls Royce Silver Spur. There's no equivalence between a rowboat and the QE2 luxury liner if you're going from here to London. There's no equivalence. Between a little Cessna that holds two people and an A three hundred and eighty Airbus, there's no equivalence between a diode that will cost you five, six, seven thousand dollars and a CO two that costs thirty thousand dollars. Because at the end of the day, the thirty thousand dollars CO two is significantly, significantly less expensive than the seven thousand dollar diode. But nobody realizes that because they look at the purchase price. They never take into account operating expense. All the diodes have the disposable tips, seven bucks, eight bucks, nine bucks a tip. So if you're using those tips, eight bucks a tip, 10 times a day, that's $80 a day. You work a four day week instead of a five day week. That's $320 a week. That's over $1,200 a month. You work 10 months a year a weekend off for for Memorial Day, a weekend off for July 4th, a weekend off for for Labor Day, a week to go skiing, a week at the beach, you work 10 months a year, you've spent $12,000, $13,000 on disposable tips for a device that technically isn't a laser. Because diodes are really not lasers. Diodes, number one, you need to contact tissue. And number two, you need to initiate it. Well, lasers never, ever, ever contact tissue. Lasers don't contact tissue. You don't touch tissue with a laser. Say you're an ophthalmologist and you're doing retinal surgery. How does an ophthalmologist use a diode laser to do retinal surgery? He takes the diode fiber and squishes it in, into your ear, into your eye? Of course not. Lasers are non-contact. The other thing is lasers never need to be initiated. You put the black stuff on the tip, and what does black do? Why do people wear light colors in the summer, dark colors in the winter? Black absorbs all light energy. So you put the black stuff on the tip of the diode. It prevents the photons from coming out. So you end up with a hot glass tip. And the diode is nothing more than a hot glass tip. It is not a photon emitting device. It is a laser, it's just not used as a laser. And the worst thing of all is that. The boiling point of water is 100 degrees Celsius. If I use an erbium, erbium is absorbed by water. If I use a CO2, CO2 is absorbed by water. So in order for me to vaporize tissue, I need to get that tissue up to 100 degrees Celsius. And it's vaporized. Simple. What's the average tip temperature of a diode according to the peer-reviewed literature? Either of you, any of you have an idea?
2: Mm
3: -mm. You should. People are sticking these diodes into patients' mouths and they're not realizing the average temperature of the tip, according to the peer-reviewed literature, not according to me, because I'm from New York, I make up lots of things, but according to the peer-reviewed literature, and I've got a whole bunch of papers I can share with you, the average tip temperature of a diode laser is 750 to 1500 degrees Celsius. So I'm working on your three-day-old baby. I have to release the tongue tie because Chad is too much of a wimp to do it. So I'm going to do it fair. Fair. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I can do it with an erbium, which will vaporize the tissue at hundred degrees Celsius. I can do it with a CO2, which will vaporize the tissue at hundred degrees Celsius, or I could use a diode, which will melt the tissue at 750 to 1500 degrees Celsius. So when I'm doing it on a, baby, of course, I'll use a CO2 or an erbium. If I'm doing it on a friend, I'll use a CO2 or an erbium. If I'm doing it on my mother-in-law, well...
2: (laughs) Diode it is.
3: There, there, There you go. Now, I'm not saying that diodes are terrible. I'm not saying they don't have a place. I'm not saying you shouldn't use it. I'm saying if you're using the damn thing, you ought to learn the ins and outs of it. You ought to learn how to use the thing and presets are only suggestions. Presets are not in the Old Testament. They're not in the New Testament. They're not in the Quran. They're not in the Kama Sutra. I've read the Kama Sutra extensively. Can't find it in the Kama Sutra. They're not in any... (laughs) Oh, you know. You've read it also. I I have, yeah. The illustrated version. Right, the illustrated version. So, presets are merely suggestions. And you can increase the millijoules, decrease the millijoules, increase the hertz, decrease the hertz, increase the pulse width, decrease the pulse width. You have to know how to do these things in order to not harm the patient. So diode users are getting good results where they can get fantastic results if they just get a little bit more educated, learn how to use it, and things would be far better.
0: I also believe, though, I think once you've held a CO2 and, like, and I'm talking just soft tissue application right. now. Right. When you've used a diode and you put a CO2 in your hands, you will never touch another diode. Period.
3: Bingo. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So with with you know one of the things we're we're taught in dental school is is that with like an electrosurge, you're going to touch the tissue, you're going to cauterize it, you're going to burn it, you're going to do whatever. But there's going to be a uh, a a depth of burn that's going to be deeper than the actual contact. A zone of and necrosis, 1,500 microns. And I'm assuming with a diode that that's going to be the exact same due to the heat that's, that's emitted through that tip. Yes and no. When you look
3: histologically, and this is stuff that's in the literature zone of necrosis with an electrosurge radio surge about 1,500 microns. Zone of necrosis with a CO2, if you're trained, 25 microns, okay,
1: 25 so microns. So you've decreased it in a, by a six, basically, yeah. Okay. What about with a diode? Uh,
3: diodes, once again, it's 750 to 1500 yeah. degrees. So if you're really, really great with a diode, you can get a zone necrosis of a couple of hundred microns. Not 1500 like an electrosurge or a surge. much, much better than a, a, an electrosurge or a surge, but it doesn't compare to CO2. Yeah. all
2: right I have two questions and I'm gonna jump in uh one would love to get your uh commentary on PBM for those listening who aren't familiar with it photo peanut butter moderation. and marshmallow
3: that's that's what you're talking about <laughs> exactly. Yeah, at ba- that's at exactly Robbins right. you can get a peanut butter and marshmallow Sunday PBM yes okay, Perfect. okay. Um,
2: it's not a very common um, practice I actually use one of my in my office but I know most of my colleagues don't have one, so I'd love to talk a little bit more about that and its application. And then also um, would love to get a little bit of an understanding for those who are listening. There's a pretty big range in the CO2 marketplace. So if I want to buy a CO2 laser tomorrow and I go to different vendors who are selling the CO2 laser, there's a pretty big range of costs. No, I mean, you said- no,
3: no, 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 no. they they if you're talking about the 10,600 nanometer soft tissue CO2, they're all within five to $10,000 of each other. If okay. you're talking about the Solea, which is a CO2, but that's a 9,300 nanometer, totally different wavelength, that's for hard and soft tissue. That's well over $100,000. So okay, well,
2: let's old, talk about that because I don't okay. know if everybody understands the differentiation between...
1: Very okay. important to understand, and that's what I wanted to ask you too, the difference in wavelengths, because a lower wavelength is actually hard tissue, correct? Hard and soft? Yes,
3: correct, correct. Yeah. But let's, let's get back to PBM for a minute because PBM is, is fascinating. I have PBMs in my house. I have PBMs in my office. I've, I've got, I don't know, half a dozen PBMs. They're the most wonderful thing in the world. Um, physical therapists use them. Uh, orthopedic surgeons use them chiropractors use them. If you have a little penny saver or or a little uh, newspaper in your suburban or rural community, you may see ads for chiropractors who are going to treat carpal tunnel syndrome with cold lasers. Well, cold laser is one of the synonyms for PBMs. I use them at home for my neck ache, for my back ache, for my plantar fasciitis, for my bad knee, for my bad ankle, for migraines for a million and one things. That's the home use. In the office, I will use it for TMJ. I will use it for the occasional Bell's palsy. I'll use it for the occasional trigeminal neuralgia. I will use it for aptus ulcers. Anytime I do anything invasive, do an extraction, PBM over the extraction socket. Do an endo, PBM at at the root surface. Do a flap, PBM over the incision side. Anything invasive gets PBM. The other f- fascinating thing about PBM is that, so everybody's got this, this thing, they have to get an erbium if they want to work on heart tissue. I do 100%, 100% of my operative dentistry on deciduous teeth. I'll say that again. 100% of my operative dentistry on deciduous teeth with no injection analgesia whatsoever. I use my PBM to pretreat treat the tooth. I then take my high-speed handpiece, and I'm done with a quadrant of deciduous dentistry, operative dentistry, before an Erbium or a Solea user has gone through the first marginal ridge of the first tooth in the quadrant. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what anybody tells you, There is no laser anywhere on God's green earth or anywhere else in the universe that I'm aware of that is anywhere near as fast as a conventional high-speed handpiece, whether it's electric or air-driven, ain't no such thing.
1: Interesting. So So,
2: do we want to talk about the wavelengths on the CO2?
3: Wavelengths. Okay. So CO2, soft tissue, 10,600 nanometers invented in anybody know the answer when was it Mm -hmm. invented 1964 the co2 was invented in 1964 so if you take a look at the amount of peer-reviewed literature on co2 lasers you have this much you take a look at all the other wavelengths you have this Mm -hmm. much co2 has been used in oral and maxillofacial surgery for decades. Virtually no oral and maxillofacial surgeon in the United States has a diode or an erbium. Virtually everyone that has a laser has a CO2 for OMS. For ENT, virtually every ENT that has a laser has a CO2. They're used in residency training programs. They're ubiquitous in ENT. They're ubiquitous in OMS. Diodes in medicine are used for hair removal, and they're used for ophthalmology, and that's it. The same type of CO2 that we use in our office every day is almost exactly the same as the CO2 that's used in neurosurgery, in brain surgery and spine surgery, used in a million and one other types of medical surgical procedures because there is no wavelength that is absorbed as well in mucosa as the CO2 that's not hyperbole that's facts based on the peer-reviewed literature and based on the electromagnetic spectrum Um, this United States Senate this august body or it used to be an august body Mm -hmm. years ago um, had a senator from the state of New York he was a professor of government at Harvard University for, for a very very long time he was an advisor to President Kennedy President Johnson then became senator from New York, a guy by the name of Daniel Patrick Moynihan. And on the well of the Senate floor, he said on more than one occasion, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own set of facts. And I understand that laser companies are in business to sell product. I understand that. It doesn't give them to the right to blow smoke up our collective behinds and talk about all sorts of stuff that has nothing to do with reality. And it's, it's just, that's, that's the way it is. And, and that's unfair. So let's talk about wavelengths, CO2, 10,600 nanometers, soft tissue used once again, ENT, OMS, many medical specialties because it's number one for mucosa period. There's, there's no debate on that. That's the fact. There is another wavelength for CO2, uh, well, two wavelengths, actually, 9,300 nanometers and 9,600 nanometers. The Solea from Convergent Technologies is one of those wavelengths. That is a special type of CO2 wavelength, not the conventional 10,600. That can work on soft tissue and hard tissue as well. It is more than double the cost of a soft tissue CO2 laser. You can get a good soft tissue CO2 laser, thirty thirty five thousand dollars 35000 $40,000, give or take. The Solea, I believe, and don't quote me on this, I believe when you finish with getting all the hand pieces and this and that and the other thing, is well over six figures.
1: But it is well over six what figures. What makes it able to cut hard
3: tissue? What makes an erbium able to hard tissue? The answer, whenever there's a question about lasers whenever there's any question all about lasers the answer is always chromophore chromophore is the answer to everything so laser dentistry is based on three things it's based on chromophore yeah and chromophore and the third thing is um, uh, chromophore and without a complete understanding of chromophore content of tissue and absorption of tissue by different chromophores, you'll never understand which end of the laser to put into a patient's mouth. So the 9,300, 9,600 nanometer wavelength is absorbed very well by the water or the hydroxy and hydroxyapatite. Okay. So it will remove hydroxyapatite. The advantage of the solea over the erbiums is that the solea is also absorbed by the phosphate group if you remember your chemistry hydroxyapatite is calcium and phosphate and hydroxy i'm not going to give you the whole formula so the solea is absorbed in hard tissue because it's absorbed by the phosphate it's absorbed by the hydroxy so it can cut through hard tissue
1: okay got it yeah, I I do, and I and I appreciate that. I I knew it was a CO two laser, but I just didn't quite understand the the differentiation. I mean, you think for hard tissue, totally it has different to be different, higher wavelength.
3: <laughs> totally different wavelength. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, strangely enough, look at the electromagnetic spectrum. You have the ultraviolet, the visible, the infrared. Got it. Ultraviolet. We have X rays in our office. We have gamma rays out in space. UV. Short wavelength, carcinogenic. The shorter the wavelength, the more energy is in the wavelength. As we go from ultraviolet into visible, we're now in the visible part of the spectrum, no longer carcinogenic, no longer mutagenic. That's the part of the wavelength we can see, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Past that, we're in the infrared part of the spectrum, which is invisible. It is non-ionizing. It is not carcinogenic. It is not mutagenic. As we go longer, 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 longer with wavelength, The amount of energy in each wavelength is less and less and less. X-rays, this end of the spectrum, ultra short wavelength, ultra high energy. CO2 at 10,600 nanometers all the way at the other end of the spectrum, extremely long wavelength. It is the weakest, the weakest wavelength of any laser out there. Now, that's kind of counterintuitive. If it's the weakest wavelength, why is it the number one wavelength for mucosa? The answer is simple. When From it comes board. to laser tissue, exactly. You see that? And people said you wouldn't get it. Look at I, that.
2: Not no, just what? people. Jeff and I said he wouldn't get it. <laughs>
3: there you go. So when you have CO2 10,600 nanometers, it's the weakest wavelength, but it is the best absorbed by mucosa. By this.
1: mucosa. Okay.
0: Hmm.
3: Which the which refers back to the chromophore of, of the mucosa. So there's a lot of stuff that people need to learn about lasers that unfortunately they don't. If you buy a laser and you get a CD and a pat on the back, you got screwed by the laser company. There's, there's no nice way to say it. When you learned how to do cone beams, did they just throw the cone beam into your office and say, all right, start shooting people? No, they gave you information on image acquisition and positioning the patient and using the software. Hang on just for a second. There we go. So you get a lot of training when you buy a comb beam. When you first learn how to place implants, do you just call up Nobel and say, hey, give me a starter kit, and you put your mother-in-law on the chair and you do an implant or two on her? No, you get hours and hours of training. In the metro New York area, a bazillion dentists are doing Botox. Do they buy a little thing of Botox and start injecting anybody? No, they get training. You want to buy a laser? Here's a couple of thousand dollars, buy a laser, here's a workbook, here's a CD, here's a, a pat on the back, and you don't know a damn thing about it. Yeah. So education is critical. I will give a little shout out to myself. Um, I'll give you my email address because I'm sure people will have lots of questions. Um, my email is so stupid, you'll never forget it. Here it goes. I use a laser. My name is Bob, and I'm a DDS. So my email address is laserbobdds at gmail. and Two weekends a month, I am all over the U.S., all over the world, giving courses on how to use a laser, no matter what wavelength you have. You have a diode, I'll show you how to use it diode the right way. You have an Erbium, I'll show you how to use an Erbium the right way. You don't know what wavelength to buy, I'll show you which wavelength is best for your practice. Uh, Tomorrow I'm leaving town, I'm heading to the CDA. Um, I've got four courses at the CDA, two lectures on friday and two workshops on saturday and then i'm going to be at the university of texas san antonio i'm going to be at texas tech university i'm going to be in london i'm going to be uh i'm all over the place so once again i use a laser my name is bob i'm a dds laser bob dds at gmail please 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 if you're going to use a laser if you're thinking of buying a laser if you want to do tongue ties which is the most gratifying thing that anybody can do in the world Shoot me an email. I'll get you trained the right way.
1: I'm coming. I want Bob to be my mentor.
2: Yeah, you got it. Same.
1: I, I love it. love everything that you you've said. I mean, we're, uh, we're really. I, we're, I just
3: I just made it up as I went along. I, well, I you know, job. hey, excellent that's what,
1: job. That's what so guys, That's what guys <laughs> from Great Neck do. That's very
3: true. Yeah, actually. I'm from Brooklyn originally. That's what guys from Brooklyn
1: do. I didn't want to admit the Brooklyn thing. No, I'm I'm
3: proud of that. I'm proud of that.
1: I I love Brooklyn and I love Great Neck and I love Manhattan. So I really, really enjoyed the time with you. Thank you so very much for being here. Uh, We will be reaching out to you to come back again. And I live in Texas, so who knows? You may see me at San Antonio. You sure as hell won't see me in Lubbock, but you might see me yeah. in San Antonio. Come to London. Come on. Actually, the the Texas Tech one that will be in El Paso, right? Yes, but that's
3: closed because Texas Tech they have that brand new dental school there. Yeah, um, that's... they asked me to come. I'm going to be training the entire faculty and the entire student body on on lasers. So that's that's a closed course. They that's a big win.
2: win.
1: I don't go to El Paso, anyways. But I just wanted to make sure we differentiated El Paso. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we have a
0: Dink's course at the teaching center in the first quarter of 2024.
1: I think that's a good idea. Bob, do you play golf? Hell no. Do you drive a cart? Hell no. Do you drink? Hell no. Okay, well then we're, <laughs> yeah,
3: we're taking. I'd be attention. happy to drink with you. I'd be happy to drive a golf cart. Um, I just don't like the Fish. idea of hitting a ball and then running after it. I mean, to yeah. me, that's just
1: that's well, not what we'll, we'll we'll make it well, work.
2: golf the cart girls. Yeah. And All right.
1: right.
3: All right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I promise you we'll get cord. a
2: lot more done than watching you two idiots hit the ball. But it's
3: Where is the I've seen uh, both of your golf games
0: What? Uh, we're 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 going to have our teaching center open in the first quarter of 2024 in Myrtle Beach.
3: Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah.
0: Sure. Okay. So is that anywhere
3: near Cape Fear? Cause that movie scared the hell out of me. Scared the yeah, hell out of me too. So that
0: that's Southern North Carolina and we're in Northern South Carolina on the coast. Yeah. Is Same there really thing. a
3: difference? Is there? Same thing. They both- know, there's a
0: big difference. Well, well, everyone knows which bathroom to use in South Carolina.
1: <laughs> Let's just say this, Bob, both could be the sets <laughs> of deliverance 2024.
0: Okay. So, and is
3: it true that, the Toothbrush was invented in South Carolina. You've no, heard that's the North thousands. Carolina. North Carolina. That's right. 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 If it was invented anywhere else, it would be the teethbrush <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: yeah. But it is true yeah. that Jeff. Actually, is...
0: we, we both defer on that. That that is actually West Virginia. So okay. <laughs> it is it
1: is true that Jeff and his wife are second cousins. <laughs> so, facts.
0: Back, yeah. Gotcha. After, gotcha. after a small legal proceeding, which <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. anyhow, thanks so much for being on, Bob. We're going to have you back. Really appreciate you. My pleasure. I had a great time, uh, despite what you, people so said
3: about you. Uh, I, had a, I had a great time. Yeah, well, uh, I appreciate that too. If we
0: won know.
2: one person over this week, I'd All consider right. that a win.
3: We've done our job. All right. Thank great. you. Have, have a, a great good week, boy, Bob. Have a great okay. night,
0: guys. All right. Good night, All right. everyone. And that wraps up another podcast for Dentists in the Know. On behalf of Dr. Jennifer Bell, Dr. Chad DePlanis, and myself, remember that we've got a great profession, so let's make it a great day, Dinks.